Hi, I'm Dr. Avanti Kumar Singh. In over 20 years of practicing both Western medicine and Eastern healing traditions, the most important thing that I've learned is that healing is a journey we take together. So on this podcast, I'll be demystifying Ayurveda and other integrated medicine, showing how these simple ancient practices are the keys to unlocking a healthy modern life. We are all healing catalysts because healing starts within. It starts with you and it starts right now. This is a Soulfire production. Episode number 79. Well, hello, hello, my beautiful friends. Welcome back to the Healing Catalyst podcast. I'm so happy that all of you are here. And if you're new to the podcast, welcome. I'm Avanti and I'm thrilled to have you. I am so excited today because we're introducing a new series on the podcast called Go Deeper. Now, this was based on so many messages that I and my team have gotten and emails from all of you, our amazing community of listeners, asking for more Ayurveda and yoga knowledge for us to really go deeper on a specific topic so that you can learn and understand more about these healing modalities. And so I thought, well, maybe I should start talking to other Ayurvedic practitioners, other experts in Ayurveda for these Go Deeper episodes, many of whom I consider to be my own mentors and teachers. So I am so, so excited because some of the Ayurvedic experts that I have lined up for this series are absolutely amazing. And you're just going to enjoy this series so, so much. And so to kick off this Go Deeper series, Chef Divya Alter is back with me again to talk about immunity from an Ayurvedic perspective. You know, Divya was first on the podcast back in December. And if you haven't heard that episode already, please go back and listen. It's about digestion and it's linked in the show notes for you. In addition, before I introduce Divya to all of you again, I want to make sure that you know that if you want to learn from Divya after you listen to this episode, which I think you probably will, she has a new masterclass series on Ayurvedic cooking, which features over eight hours of guided video instruction, interactive workbooks, and study guides. This is the most beautiful masterclass series I have seen on Ayurveda. It's amazing. And it is really the ultimate companion for cooks of all levels, from beginners to experienced home chefs who really want to learn the foundational skills and concepts and recipes of Ayurveda cooking. And as a member of the Healing Catalyst podcast community, you get the entire series for 40% off. Use the link in the show notes for that. So let's dive into our first Go Deeper episode to explore immunity from an Ayurvedic perspective with my guest, Chef Divya Alter. Divya is the pioneering chef and author who's bringing Ayurvedic cooking to the modern world. She has nearly 30 years of experience studying, practicing, and teaching Indian spiritual philosophy, yoga, Sanskrit, chanting, and vegetarian cooking throughout Europe, India, and the United States. Originally from Bulgaria, she has studied and taught Sanskrit in Sweden and in India and has assisted in the translation of many ancient texts. But that's not all. She's so, so accomplished. In addition, Divya is the author of two groundbreaking cookbooks, What to Eat for How You Feel, which is hands down my absolute favorite Ayurveda cookbook. 
and her new book, The Joy of Balance. She's also the chef restaurateur of Divya's Kitchen, an award-winning Ayurvedic restaurant in New York City, and also the creator of a line of Ayurvedic pantry goods. Divya has introduced the wisdom of Ayurveda to hundreds of thousands of people around the world. But her greatest passion is teaching, and you're really going to hear that in this episode. Over the last 13 years, she's worked with more than 20,000 students, and she's the founder of North America's first Ayurvedic nutrition and culinary training program, which I'm actually taking right now and absolutely loving. In our conversation, we talk about what immunity is from an Ayurvedic perspective, what weakens immunity, and what strengthens it. Divya shares some routines, foods, and yoga practices that help to support immune function. And make sure that you stay until the end of the episode because Divya also shares some spices, teas, and food combining tips to kindle the digestive fire and boost immunity. I am so, so honored to have Chef Divya Alter back again on the podcast to go deeper, to talk about immunity from an Ayurvedic perspective. Well, hello, Divya. It is so wonderful to be back with you again. Happy New Year, by the way. Thank you for having me, Avanti. Happy New Year to you and everyone who is listening. Oh, I'm so excited to have you back again. You know, we did our first episode together just last month. And the amount of feedback and positive response that I got from my podcast community was so overwhelming that I had to invite you back even sooner than we had even thought about because everybody was so interested in what you had to say and so much of your wisdom they found so incredibly helpful. So thank you so much for doing this again with me. I'm thrilled to have you back. And today we're going to dive into the topic of immunity, you know, this idea of how to support and strengthen your immunity, what we can do in our everyday lives. You're going to give us some tips. We'll talk through some different ideas that are really some very practical takeaways for the listeners so that they can really start implementing some of these ideas right away. So it's not just so esoteric. So I think we'll just get started. Yes. Does that sound good? Thank you. And I I have to admit for somebody like me, uh, I've had an autoimmune disease for several years and I was able to completely cure myself from it with the Ayurvedic practices. So for somebody who's been down the (laughs) low immunity road for years, I'm very happy to share uh, different principles that have worked for me and, and I've seen work for many people. Well, that's amazing. Well, maybe you can start. Let's, you know, let's start with that. So tell us a little bit about how you began to heal yourself with Ayurveda and why Ayurveda. I mean, we've talked about your story of how you found Ayurveda, but specifically whatever you'd like to share, I think that would be a helpful frame. And then we can dive into more about immunity specifically. Yes, sure. So I, what was it like about 15 years ago? I started to feel really sick. Like I was so tired all the time. I had chronic fatigue, chronic digestive issues. It turned out I had the initial stages of fibromyalgia, which is an autoimmune response. And um, and I was just so miserable, lots of pain, <laughs> inflammation. <laughs> you know, I could hardly do anything with no motivation. Like I was in, in the down period of my life. And um And I was looking for answers. Why is this happening? What's the deep cause, right? In Ayurveda, we always 
we don't just look at the symptoms and manage the symptoms. We always look for the deep cause of the problem or causes. It's often it's more than one. And I started um, an Ayurvedic treatment and it helped a little bit, but I wasn't getting much better. And somehow I, I always, you know, I like to pray and somehow in response to my prayers, I found, I learned about holistic dentistry and it turned out that the deep cause for my autoimmune response was two infected root canal teeth that were completely asymptomatic. And they were infected for a long time because when we extracted them, they had all the, they had black roots, cysts. I mean, they had all the symptoms of infection, but I didn't have symptoms in my mouth. So there was no pain, no swelling. You could hardly see anything on the, on the x-ray. And we found out about them with a bioresonance device that kind of scans your body and reads the frequencies in your cells. And, they, and this therapist kept telling me, you have, you have these, you have severe tooth infections. You have to look into this. And then when we did the scans, we did like CT scans, then the infection showed very clearly. So, so that was my, and once we extracted those uh, infected teeth, then somehow my immune system rebooted itself. You know, it didn't have to fight <laughs> anymore and it didn't have to fight itself anymore. And, and then the Ayurvedic treatment really started working for me and started it just my whole body. I'm, I'm much healthier now at the age of 50 than I was 15 years ago when I had the autoimmune. Yeah, so sometimes I, I tell people, you know, you try everything because it can be so frustrating. You're not feeling well. You have immune deficiency, and 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 you don't know what's causing it. You try everything, and I always tell people: check your teeth, like really thoroughly, <laughs> especially if you have root canals, because they tend to get infected over time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think it's an important point, you know, that we many times forget that our mouth is connected to our digestive tract, and we know that our digestive tract is connected to every system in the body. And so, you know, the newer research that we're finding, well, we've known this in Ayurveda for so many thousands of years, that the digestion, the digestive fire is the seat of health. And so when you start looking at those connections and seeing, is your digestive fire, is your digestion working correctly? Is the microbiome balanced? Then you can start seeing the connections to where the inflammation is coming from, where the problems might be. And so I think really thinking about your mouth dentistry and more than just getting your teeth cleaned, you know, which is very important, but actually looking to see if there's something like you said that is going undiagnosed is really, really important. Again, we forget that our mouth is connected to the digestive tract sometimes and that the food that we're taking in really affects the inside of that tract, right? And yeah. the microbiome. Yeah. And there, there, I mean, there's friendly bacteria in the mouth, right? Right. And there's friendly bacteria in the large intestine. So, so when one of the reasons for lowering our immunity is when, when we, we have depleted friendly bacteria anywhere, <laughs> anywhere where it's supposed to be, because they kind of like the friendly bacteria are like the first line of defense. Exactly. 
you know, I, I remember Dr. Teitelbaum, she's, she's one of my Ayurvedic doctors. You know her very well from our training. training. Um, Dr. Teitelbaum always speaks about, um, she always looks at her patients restoring the friendly bacteria because she would say the, the best way to get rid of candida overgrowth, for example, would be not just to do a candida cleanse, but uh, but to actually restore your friendly bacteria because they're the soldiers that will take care of the of the bad guys, so to say. So yeah, so one big reason, very much related to the gut, big reason for low immunity is depletion of friendly bacteria. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's an important point is that, you know, we are very focused in Western medicine about removing the bad stuff. Not that there's anything wrong, but the opposite perspective can also be very, very helpful to look at is that can you crowd out the bad stuff with the good stuff? And that goes for food, bacteria, any of these different things, right? Even habits as we're, you know, starting off the new year, rather than focusing so much on, you know, what's not going well or getting rid of bad habits or whatever it is, let's focus on adding good stuff. And over time, it crowds out the bad stuff. So I think that's really interesting you said that because I think it's an important point for people to think about. Yeah, it's the positive approach, Avanti. I really appreciate you mentioning this because, yes, you're focusing on the positive. That's what I tell people also when they try to eat healthier. I would say, you know, just focus on eating wholesome foods. (laughs) If you eat fresh, wholesome foods, then naturally you will be avoiding some of those ultra-processed, unhealthy foods. So it's, it always comes with a higher taste, so to say. So when you incorporate the better options, then naturally you, you don't want to go into the, into the less good options. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So let's, let's focus back on immunity. I mean, these are all important concepts for immunity, but let's talk about, you know, what is immunity from an Ayurvedic perspective? Because I always think it's important, first of all, to frame, you know, Ayurveda has a little bit of a perspective change, a perspective shift on concepts. And it's important to keep that in mind. You can't always go in thinking about these terms from a Western perspective, there's got to be a little bit of shift of how you think about it. So from your perspective, what is the Ayurvedic perspective of immunity? Well, I mean, immunity is our defense system, right? But but immune system is very flexible. A healthy immune system is flexible. It's not like, it's not always in high gear, you know, fighting, fighting, fighting. <laughs> it's like a, a healthy immune system knows when to go up when to go down in intensity uh, in order to properly respond to an immune event. So, so we don't want to be always in high gear because it means that the immune system is fighting something. So when we're in good health, we're, the immune system is, is, is there protecting us, but it's not on high alert, so to say. So um, the immune system... In Ayurveda explains that the immune system, the final product of di- is very much related to digestion, as you've been mentioning. And the final product of digestion is called ojas in Ayurveda. That's the culmination. So when you eat good food and you digest it, it becomes 
assimilated, absorbed in your different, it nourishes all the tissues in our body. It energizes us. It, the food be, fully becomes part of our tissues. Um, then the final product is called OGIS. And that is, it's often, there is no one word that can translate OGIS from Sanskrit. It's often trans, uh, translated as vitality because good quality OGIS gives you good vitality. OGIS, when somebody has good OGIS, they have this glow, you know, they're naturally glowing. <laughs> they have good energy, good stamina, they don't get sick. But where is the OGIS coming from? So if you backtrack the production of OGIS, it always starts with Agni. So Agni, A-G-N-I, Agni is a Sanskrit word for fire, but it's not just fire. It's like, I like what the way Dr. Basvati Bhattacharya would translate it. She would say fire in the sense that that which engul engulfs and transforms. So the Agni that governs all the metabolic processes in our body, not just the digestion of food and our life experiences, but the transformations in the blood, the transformations in the fat, the transformations in the bone, all the transformations that happen in the body. So the different in the liver, there's so many different types of, 13 different types of Agni. So, when Agni goes low, when it's too low, then um, our burners is, are kind of low. <laughs> and Agni is, I love Agni because it's not just, Agni in the sense is the first line of defense because it's not just digesting food. Agni also tackles pathogens viruses <laughs> and all kinds of pathogens that also uh, pollutants, environmental pollution is engulfed by Agni. So when our Agni is low, then we're more susceptible to invade invasions, so to say. And, and then the other thing that happens when Agni is low is then the mucous membranes in the gut can become, they're the barriers, the, the natural, not just in the gut, in the lungs, in the skin, in the brain, they're the natural barriers, right? So they can become too dry. And, and, and also the intestinal lining, if Agni is too low, the intestinal lining, the villi, it can, it can kind of get covered with a sludge. I want to see this under microscope, Avanti, because yeah, it's, it's really like, interesting. Right. It, and so that sludge is called ama in, in, in Sanskrit. There's a word for it in Ayurveda, but that sludge is what kind of covers the intestinal lining. So we don't absorb nutrients so well. And this also become, leads to depletion of immune system. So it all starts with Agni. And, and Agni is our ability to digest, to transform. Um, to metabolize everything in our body. Right, right. And so when you have a malfunctioning or imbalanced Agni or an Agni that is low, too variable, even too high, it can cause problems, right? We want to have a healthy, I often describe it as, you know, if you look at a uh, stove, it's sort of that nice medium burn 
that cooks everything, cooks the food at a nice pace. You know, when you have too low of a fire on a stove, it takes very long and it takes forever for things to cook and it doesn't cook very well or doesn't cook completely. But if the opposite is also true, if you have too high of a flame, you burn things. Exactly. (laughs) And it's exactly the same with our Agni, our digestive fire, that you want to have that nice, healthy flame which then contributes to a healthy immunity. And I think another point I want to click into that you mentioned is that in Western medicine, we often talk about, okay, how do you strengthen and boost? Even the way I introduced this, you know, this episode about strengthening and boosting and supporting your immunity, it's a very Western frame. And I have to check myself also, because it's not about just, you know, allowing your immunity to go, you know, to be so strong that it gets out of control because that causes issues also. We know that in Western medicine, it's a healthy immunity. And I think it goes back to this idea that Ayurvedic perspective of balance, right? We need a balanced immune system. We need a balanced digestive fire. Too much, too little, never good. In Western philosophy, Western perspective, more is always better. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that is just not true. (laughs) So I think that's a really important point to click into. So we're going for a healthy immunity, a healthy digestifier. Yeah. And it really, again, it all boils down to what we eat, how we eat it, how we we digest it. And then, and this very much links also into our lifestyle habits uh, because our lifestyle can affect digestion as well. So yeah. Yeah. Like it or not, it all boils down to food. It does. It always does. And, and, you know, I think that food also, and we'll get into this food is also, you know, we can expand the definition of food, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about physical food that we eat through our mouth, but there's other food also, everything in life is food. And so that's yeah. another perspective, an Ayurvedic perspective to think about. I want to go back again to this idea of immunity. You know, you talked about OGIS, this sort of vitality that is the end product of digestion. Once the food nourishes all seven layers of the tissues, right? And so when you have this fine vitality, this OGIS, you have good immunity, you have good strength, you get, you have good health and vitality. There's another um, concept of bala or strength in Ayurveda, which also is related to immunity. Can we talk about that a little bit too? Yes, Bala, Bala is physical strength. Manubala is mental strength. Mm-hmm. I look at strength as, again, as a byproduct of transformation. Right. So as a byproduct of Agni. So the opposite of strength is weakening, weakness. So again, when Agni is very low, it creates like a spiral of weakening events (laughs) that can lead to diminished strength. And strength also is increased by the vision I'm getting right now is exercise, but it exercise, not just physical exercise, but also having a strong mind because a weak mind believe it or not can create weakness on the physical level as well so weak weak mind in the sense of negative thoughts like harboring these negative low emotions that kind of 
it's kind of they eat this from the inside. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> we're keeping the grudge. We didn't forgive. We're keeping that terror inside. We're not talking about it. We're not letting it out. So this can we lead to mental and emotional weakness. Also, that can manifest over the years as physical problems, but um, and that can definitely impair our immune system and immune response as well. Exactly, exactly. Because I think again, you know, sometimes these these terms are divided up: strength, immunity, right? All of these different things, but they are very related. And so, if you do have this weakness in physical, mental, emotional, down the line, it can be a contributor to low immunity or to unhealthy or weakened immunity. And I think, again, many times we don't think about those connections, right? We're so busy looking at the physical food that we're eating or looking for the causes, the viruses, the toxins causing the weakened immunity or the immune, the foreign invaders, right? The foreign invaders can be coming from our mind, right? And we'll get into this a little bit when we're talking about, (laughs) you know, what strengthens and supports immunity. But I think this is a really important point again, to think about. Yes, Yes, definitely. I mean, I know for myself, and I think we've all experienced that when I feel depressed or I'm Mm -hmm. grieving, Mm -hmm. this, this is when I'm particularly susceptible to colds and flu and just, it's just, just feeling down, right? Yes. It definitely weakens the immune system. So you have to also understand, is it, why am I feeling that way? That way, sometimes it can be a chemical reaction. You depleted the vitamin D, which actually is very much right. part of healthy immune system, good levels of vitamin D. Or... Or maybe sometimes it's just depletion of nutrients can lead to that. Or sometimes it's just our inability to uh, deal with a mental or emotional challenge. Um, But the thing is that when I feel like that, I always kind of tell myself and I I look for the friend who can give me a little kick to get out of this condition. Yes. (laughs) Remind me that this is not my natural condition, right? My my natural condition is to be healthy and happy. That's the natural human condition. So when I'm in, in a depleted state, I usually, I usually look for the lessons like what what are the lessons here? What did I do wrong? Why why is this happening? So I don't just simmer in my depression. <laughs> so to say. I use it as a as a stepping point to get out of it, out of it much stronger. Right. It's that it's that awareness, that conscious awareness of asking yourself. And I actually just did an episode on this in December, the last episode of the year in which I was reflecting on some things that have happened for me last year. And this idea of awareness, this conscious awareness that Ayurveda asks us to live with on a daily basis of noticing, of saying to ourselves, I have this feeling of depression or this feeling of weakness, whatever it is, whatever symptom it is we're feeling, however subtle or obvious, and asking ourselves, where is it coming from? What could be contributing to it, right? 
Because that awareness is where health starts, right? Because we start to notice the connections between our entire life and what we're feeling in our physical body, in our mind, in our emotions, in our, in our spirit. We have those connections, which is what I think that Western medicine misses, is that we're not always looking at all of the things that are happening in our lives that are affecting our health. We're looking at the symptoms rather than looking at the root cause, which is what you started the episode with, talking about looking for the root cause of your immunity issues that you were having. Yeah. Right. Or uh, maybe uh, the root cause of the imbalances in your whole life. Correct. And I, I love this approach, Avanti, because when you go from the point of awareness, then you also own it, right? So, and when you own it, you take responsibility to change it. Yes. Yes. You're not helpless. You're, you're taking that healing power back into your own hands. You have all of these people who can guide you. You and me talking on this podcast, we're guides for everybody listening, but ultimately it's up to them to take control, right? And then look for the guides, look for the physicians, the therapists, the, you know, um, the chefs, whoever it is who can help them on their healing journey. Yeah. I call them the healing team. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I love that. Your healing team. You create a healing team, but ultimately you are. You have to do the work. Yeah, exactly. You're (laughs) the person who has to do the work. So, um, okay. So, you know, we've kind of touched on this immunity um, idea, the perspective from Ayurveda. Let's talk about a little more specifically. So what, what do you think are the main things that weaken immunity from an Ayurvedic perspective? We, we talked about a couple, but let's go back through it so that we can have sort of an organized way of thinking about it. I mean, the general, if you want to put it all under one umbrella, really, when I think about it, is, is, is because we disconnect ourselves from nature, mm-hmm. from our own nature and from nature around us. And just think for a moment how disconnected we are. I mean, I live in an apartment above ground, so many <laughs> feet above ground, lots of in a city that's full of noise and air pollution, water pollution. So many people, um, there are concrete everywhere. I rarely walk barefoot on the ground. The apartment and the whole building is surrounded by Wi-Fi devices, by electric and electronic devices, 5G towers <laughs> around. I, I, I see them. Um, so there is so much outside influence that disconnect us from nature and then how we disconnect ourselves internally from our nature of who we are and what we are meant to do in this world so all this disconnection leads to weakness in our system on every level also weak mind weak body weak immune system um and you know i was thinking yesterday it's like that's what ayurveda is about is is to help us reestablish our connection with nature. And, and when you look at, oh, so like we discussed in our culinary training, right in class, we were talking about the order of things. So shower first, eat after, don't eat and then shower. <laughs> so it's not just a rule. It's like, this is how the body works. This is how nature works. When you shower first and eat after, 
you're in flow with in harmony with nature. When you do it the other way, you're going against nature. Right. Right. Yeah. So that disharmony with the nat- with the rhythms of nature is so important um, for supporting our immunity. Right. Yeah. And exactly. Really. Again, being in concert. And I love how you said, you know, also this disconnection from our own inner nature, which I think is so such a beautiful way of saying it because it's not just what's outside of you, although we are so disconnected with the rhythms of nature. Like you said, you know, lights that can be on 24 hours a day. And so we're staying up, you know, until all hours of the night because we can, even though nature is sleeping, right? Or sleeping late into the day. Those are simple things or or yeah. walking Air on a conditioning, st- yeah, <laughs> yeah, or walking on a, a belt, right? Instead of walking outside, we're walking on a an electrical machine or stair stepping on an yeah. electrical machine, right? <laughs> These are just small examples of you know how modern the modern world, modern tech- technology was supposed to help us, but it's actually harmed us because it's it's created this greater disconnection from nature because we have all these technological advances. Now, of course, I'm not saying technology is bad. It's the reason you and I can do this podcast episode, you sitting in New York and me sitting in Chicago. Yeah. But again, it's about balance, right? Yes. <laughs> okay, so that's one thing is disharmony with nature outside of us and our inner nature. That's one thing that weakens immunity. Another thing that we talked about was the digestive fire, mm-hmm. right? And the role of Agni and how important that is. What are some other factors do you think that really weaken immunity? Well, you mentioned the body rhythms and nature's rhythms. So this goes, it connects to sleep, right? So lack of sleep, bad sleep, lack of deep sleep. So there's so many scientific studies about linking lack of sleep, proper sleep to weaken immune system. And it makes so much sense. I mean, we all know how we feel when we didn't get a good night's sleep, sleep. And it's not just we're cranky, <laughs> our brain doesn't work properly, you know. So when you when you do this regularly, I, I, once in a while, the body can handle, right? But when we regularly go to bed late, we don't sleep enough, um, our sleep is impaired in different ways, then, then we really feel very weak and we are much more susceptible to disease. And so that's also related to melatonin. There are even more recent studies like the melatonin deficiency, which naturally the body naturally produces during sleep. That's also linked to impaired immune system. Right. And from an Ayurvedic perspective, you know, this goes back to what we call the Ayurvedic clock, right? And and the different mm-hmm. energies that are present at different times. And so, you know, the nighttime period from about 10 p.m. to about 2 a.m., if you miss that period of sleep, that is another time for pitta, which is fire and water, those energies. And what happens is if you're awake, your brain thinks that that means that you should be eating food when in essence, what it's trying to do at that time is to transform everything that has come in through all five of your senses in the daytime, right? Exactly, yeah. And if that does not get processed and transformed and metabolized and digested during that nighttime, because you're awake and you're putting more in, (laughs) instead of allowing everything to be processed, 
you have more of that sludge that builds up, that toxic load, the ama, right? So this is all connected because if we have more ama, that means our digestive fire can't work properly. We yeah. can't extract the nutrients. We don't nourish the seven tissues. We don't end up with ogis, which is vitality and immunity. So it's all, it all connects. Yeah. <laughs> and so you can't separate them. You can't, you can't. So it goes beyond this idea of, you know, sleep and how important sleep is for us to function. But it's also, we miss that transformation period for cleanup, for digestion, me metabolism, mm -hmm. all of those things that happen during night, which then increases toxic load where our body can't handle it. And then we start having symptoms. So again, it's all connected. Yep. Well, <laughs> so you mentioned also elimination, like those toxins that we also ideally will eliminate in the morning, right? So right. poor elimination also depletes immunity, unhealthy bowel, bowel functions. Poor elimination can also deplete friendly bacteria, inter interestingly enough. So but what's good? I just want to define good elimination, like proper healthy bowel function, because yes, please. <laughs> because sometimes, like I talk to clients, sometimes and like, so you're regular, and they say, oh yeah, I'm regular. I poop every every third day. Yeah, <laughs> I poop once a week, and I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so healthy a healthy bowel function occurs at least once a day if you eat three substantial meals a day, then it, a healthy bowel function will be twice a day, morning and evening. Again, depends on how much food you eat. But, um, and the ideal time to have your bowel movement is in the morning, like first thing around seven, by seven o'clock. Um, and I have to admit, you know, for years I had very regular bowel function and it was one of the biggest problems for me because it wouldn't come in the morning and then I would shower and get ready. And then it, it will come in the worst time <laughs> during the day and cause this inner anxiety. And, and then, and then, you know, unhealthy bowel function also kind of recycles toxins. So you, I would get pimples. I would feel like really stuck up, like kind of sluggish and almost like I would get this stiffness and almost like a muscle aches, but not exactly muscle ache, but it's kind of stiffness because I didn't eliminate on time. So it takes, it may take an effort if you're experiencing something like that. It will take a conscious effort from you to regulate your bowel fun function so that you can regularly eliminate every morning. And, and Ayurveda gives different tips of how to do that, but make sure that you have regular bowel movement at least every morning and maybe in the evening as well. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Again, all connected, right? And so um, this idea of elimination is so important for healthy function of the body. Um, again, for that exact reason, because of elimination of toxins and what your body doesn't need. If you keep holding what your body doesn't need, it leads to more toxic load leads to more symptoms, illness, disease. It really struck me what you said. You're so wise. I just love talking to you. <laughs> I'm talking so to you, you're you said, wise. Keep, <laughs> keep holding something that you don't, your body doesn't need. And yeah. this, this struck me also because 
we have the tendency also to keep holding emotions and mm. mental patterns that we don't need. Mm -hmm. So looking also what we're eliminating, but also what we're holding, because that's part of the, the self-awareness, right? Yes. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that idea of thinking about what are you holding? Not even holding on to, but what are you holding? What are you holding in your mind? What are you holding mm -hmm. in your heart? What are you holding in your body? We hold so many emotions throughout our body. And are there any connections between, oh, I woke up with a headache this morning. I woke up with a pain in my knee. I woke up with low back pain. What emotions am I holding? You know, I know for myself, many times when I have an issue with back pain, I've had chronic back spasms since I was in my medical training. Mm -hmm. I know that when I am extremely stressed, when I'm holding a lot of stress and anxiety and worry, it shows up in my back. And so mm -hmm. as soon as my back starts to hurt, I have the awareness, okay, you need to think about what are you holding? What are you carrying? Um, and start to release some of that and find some ways to release that. Or you are going to have a back spasm and you're going to be in bed for three or four days, right? I know this. And so I think, again, that's really important is, is, is what you're feeling because you're holding something. It's always so interesting, I think, in Ayurveda to look at both sides of the coin because it's not just about elimination, but it's also, what are you holding? Like, yeah, <laughs> I love that we can look at it from both sides because you can get so much awareness and information by looking at things in those dual ways, those dual perspectives. It's fascinating. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's move to... We've talked about what weakens immunity, what strengthens and supports immunity. I think this is really where people I know are waiting to hear sort of what can they start to do to help to strengthen their immunity. And we're going to kind of free flow with this, but we're going to do it just a little bit organized so people can follow. We're going to use the frame of the optimal health pyramid, which, you know, many of you who listen to this podcast know this frame from my work, which is that you know, that pyramid with the base being routines, because that is the basis of everything in Ayurveda, what we do every day matters. Then looking at the middle area of the pyramid, which is diet, which goes more beyond food, which we've already sort of talked a little bit about. And then at the top of the pyramid is the tools of yoga. And so we're going to sort of try and frame it that way so everyone can follow a little bit better and you can be taking notes. I know a lot of you will be. So let's start with routines that can help to strengthen and support immunity. What are some of your favorites, some of the ones that you really find really helpful, Vivia? Mm. What weakens immunity can also strengthen immunity, right? right. <laughs> if it's done yes. in the right way. Mm -hmm. So... So definitely sleep. So pay attention to your sleep patterns. But yes, going to bed by 10 o'clock is ideal. Uh, but also, do you wake up a lot during the night? Are you able to fall asleep? Um, it's interesting because a lot of sleep problems are related to digestion. So if you, have, if you go to bed and you have high acidity, uh, you, you'll wake up again like that acid stomach will, <laughs> will wake you up or or if you go to bed really hungry like you have you're very hungry and you go to bed actually you probably won't be able to fall asleep if you're very hungry so look at your how your sleep patterns relate to your eating pa patterns and also your mental patterns so 
um, are you able to quiet down your mind uh, before you go to sleep and kind of let go of the day's experience and go into a quiet place where you can fall asleep? So look at your sleep patterns um, because good sleep uh, relates also to um, good sleep helps increase our vitamin D. It, it helps with detox, as you mentioned. It also uh, helps with, I mean, with so many things. So right. sleep is so important. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. And, you know, um, for the listeners, I did do an episode on sleep. We'll make sure that we link it in the show notes. But, you know, I always say that sleep starts the night before, obviously, but it actually starts more importantly in the morning right? You're actually getting ready and preparing yourself from sleep from the habits that you start from the very, you know, in the morning when you wake up, that's when you're really preparing to have a good night of sleep. So it's not just what you do in the evening, although that's important, but it's what do you do starting in the morning from the types of foods that you're having, how late are you having caffeine? When are you eating your meals, right? As you mentioned, how late are you eating dinner? What kinds of foods are you eating at dinner, right? Um, do you have habits which allow you to downshift and regulate your nervous system throughout the day so that in the evening you're not so revved up and have so much on your mind that you can't go to sleep? So there's a full episode on this, but I think that's what you're touching on is look at the connections between any sleep issues that you may be having and what you're doing during the daytime because they are connected very, very much. So I think that that's a really important thing. What are some other specific practices in the morning that you would suggest that could help with immunity? I mean, there's so many things that I like to do in the morning that I don't always have the time to do them. But for example, doing um, a self-massage with oil, it's called a bhyanga in Ayurveda. Uh, so this is applying, massaging, they're usually like um, herbal oils, depending on your body type, depending on the season, depending on your condition, different types of herbal oils that you can do a self-massage. And I usually leave the oil for like at least 20 minutes and then, and then I shower. So that really helps because the, so when we spoke about dryness of the membranes, right? So the body naturally gets drier with as we age. So usually after the age of 60, when the vata season <laughs> really hits us and, and we start getting wrinkles and our body starts to dry up. So to counteract this, like the oil massage really helps with slowing down aging. And especially when it's a, a, a sesame oil based or um, not coconut oil, but it has to be something with sesame oil, with ghee, because these oils, they penetrate, all, they can bring herbs and they can bring moisture all the way to the bones. And um, so this kind of oil massage, it can be very, very helpful for strengthening immunity. And also in general, you just feel so good. I always feel good when I do it. Or and there, there are a lot of YouTube videos on how to do Abhyanga or Ayurvedic self-massage, or if you can go to a professional massage also. Um, and then, so that's one thing, but we don't always have the time to do it in the morning, especially if you have children. 
<laughs> you're trying to make breakfast, get them ready for school. I mean, there's so much going on in the morning, right? You want to meditate, you want to exercise, but but try to do it as much as you can. Just put it on your radar. It's very helpful. That's a beautiful practice. Yes, definitely. It's it's one that I think um, is so incredibly nourishing. And, you know, there's a lot of other information about why it nourishes the tissues and how it leads to, you know, more vitality and immunity, which we don't have time to get into, but it is a very nourishing practice for many different issues, including immunity. So it's a great one. And, you know, honestly, if you can't do it in the morning, because I know, again, for people who work, who have a busy lifestyle in this modern world that we live in, doing it in the morning can become very challenging. So do the next best thing. Do it in the evening. You know, if that's when you can do it, do it then. It's okay. Yep. Yeah, that works. And you can sleep with the oil if you can. If you're okay with that, that's a great thing to do. Or you can just put it on, do the 20 minutes, and then do like a quick shower and then go to bed. It can be very nourishing. Yeah. You know, Vitamin Show always told me to always wash it off, wash off the oil. Yes. Because the oil also pulls toxins. This is true. That come to the surface of the skin. So it's good to wash all that off. Okay. But there's certain things you can put on, leave on, but maybe not on the whole body. Like you can leave oil on your feet, for example. That will actually help you fall asleep. Yes, that will. (laughs) Like sesame oil, but maybe not on the whole body. And and then, I mean, another simple morning practice is scraping your tongue after you brush your teeth. Um, because there is a lot of this sludge that accumulates on the tongue from during the night cleansing of organs. Um, and this will reduce your bad breath and all that, but it will also clear your tongue. And it will also reduce the acidity in your mouth that will protect the friendly bacteria in your mouth to to be there <laughs> right because too much acidity in the saliva can can diminish friendly bacteria in the mouth that's a very simple i mean if you're not scraping your tongue just get a tongue scraper it yes. should be stainless steel or silver don't use the plastic ones don't brush your tongue some people start brushing their tongue and they kind of push the bad stuff more deeply inside so don't brush it scrape it um you'll feel such a big difference just in the way you feel your mouth and your breath and everything else. Very simple, inexpensive practice. Takes a few seconds. Yes, that's a great one. Okay, let's move to diet. And, and we could talk about eating routines also with, when we're talking about diet, because this is your specialty as well. What are some foods and spices that really support and strengthen immunity? Would you say, Vivia? Well, most spices help to strengthen immunity because they help to strengthen digestive, the digestion and agni. But there are a few ones that are particular like heroes, the turmeric, ginger. And one spice that's less known, but I always have with me and I always carry it with me for emergency situations uh, is ajwine, A-J-W-A-I-N, ajwine. Uh, it's also called carom seeds. And ajwine is a very hot spice. It's really pungent. But it has, it's also scientifically proven. It can kill so many types of bacteria. And, and it, it's really like a, it has powerful <laughs> defense properties. Mm-hmm. It's also great for 
food poisoning and many other issues. So for example, I I have a guest right now and and she arrived in the evening and in the morning she tested positive for, for COVID. Oh boy. So, and I'm like, don't worry, you're at the right place. I'll take care of you. <laughs> so, so the first thing I started doing is ajwine water. I cook everything. I add ajwine to everything I make for him. I'm tea, broths, like things like that. And today is day three of her illness. And she, I, I opened the door today and she was doing yoga. She looks so much better. She almost all her symptoms disappeared. So ajwine is a really good spice. If you don't have it, you can get it from an Indian store. There are many online stores that sell it. But I always travel with it as well because it has a very quick... So let's say you ate something. It really helps improve digestion. Like if you ate something and you feel that it's still sitting in your stomach and you just you kind of almost feel nauseous, it's like... Ah. And if you feel that way, just chewing on a few ajwine seeds within minutes it will dissipate this because it, it helps to transform that semi-digestive sludge and move it out of the body. Um, just keep in mind that it's a very hot spice. And if you tend to be a fiery person, <laughs> only use it as medicine, don't use it every day because it will overheat you. Right. And how do you use it as a tonic, as you know, with ajwine water for immunity? Yeah. So for example, when I have a lot of healing recipes of my sleeves. When somebody's sick, they usually call me. It's like, what should I do? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Especially, you know, common in like flu, like simple sure. things. Um, so I recommend not to drink just cold water, room temperature water. I actually recommend to boil the water and to add a pinch of ajwine to the water. And, and the ajwine will help increase acne because when you're very sick, when you have fever, your acne goes down very much. And you, that's why you don't have appetite. And you, that's why sometimes you feel like throwing up. So the adjoin helps to cut through that. And it helps to increase your acne as well. So instead of just drinking plain water, I would, I would make adjoin water, like four cups of like a quart of water with a pinch of adjoin. Boil it for a minute. And then put it, I strain it and put it in a thermos. And I have my, I don't want to say patient because I'm not a doctor, but whoever I'm taking care of, I would just have them sip on that water throughout the day. Okay. That's a great tip. Yeah. I, when you were saying ajwine seeds, I can actually very distinctly remember my grandparents and even my mom in a little tin that would sit in her bag, she would always have some ajwine seeds. And if, you know, somebody wasn't feeling too good or had an upset stomach, it would either be, you know, a combination of, you know, either you would have fennel to help with it. If that didn't work, then maybe you'd have ajwine, just depending on how you were feeling <laughs> and yeah. what time of the year it was and all of that kind of stuff. But it's funny when you, when, when I hear these things, I have these distinct memories from childhood of seeing my elders carrying these little dubbas, as we call them, or little tins Dubba, with, yeah. these different, with these different remedies, you know? Yeah. And they would really tell you why they're doing that. Just, just take, just take. Exactly. <laughs> just take a little bit. And they just put a couple <laughs> seeds into your palm and say, just eat it. Um, <laughs> so it's funny. Okay. So ajwine is one of the spices that can support immunity. Turmeric, you said already, which, you know, you can add to so many different recipes, 
you know, again, you can take it as a pill form if that's something you need for inflammation, but it also helps with immunity. What are some other? Ginger is fantastic because ginger is antiviral and antibacterial. It increases agni. It also clear, it helps you digest your food. It also clears sludge. It really regulates bowel movement. If you're constipated, ginger tea every day will really help you. It also dries phlegm. It takes mucus out. But at the same time, so it does a lot of the things that garlic does, for example, but it doesn't deplete the friendly bacteria because garlic is very powerful for immunity. It's very, it, but for, especially for people who have a lot of heat and acidity, like the pitta, high pitta, or if you have a chronic inflammation, you definitely have a lot of acidity there as well. So, so garlic can be contraindicated for severe inflammation, especially gut inflammation, but ginger can take care of all that without depleting the friendly bacteria or causing an inflammatory response. So that's why I love ginger. I use dry ginger, especially when there is a lot of phlegm or, or fresh, fresh ginger. It's good for everybody. I think one of my favorite things that I had at your restaurant was your ginger tea. It's so good. <laughs> oh my God. It's so good. Can you um, tell the listeners, you know, sort of a, a recipe for ginger tea? Because I do think that this is one because it is not so heating and because it's has so many different medicinal properties that are so helpful, especially in the colder months and to boost immunity and strengthen digestion. I feel like it's something that you can have every day, just preventatively as well. Yeah, definitely. Especially if you don't feel overheated, if you're not getting hot flashes or just feel very hot in general, then definitely it will be very helpful in this during these months. Um, there are many different variations of ginger tea. So I'll tell you how we make it at Divi's Kitchen. <laughs> and the recipe is also in my first cookbook, What to Eat for How You Feel. Um, and also just keep in mind that you can make the ginger tea at different strengths. So you can make it very spicy, very pungent, very strong, or you can make it less so. So especially if you tend to feel overheated, then you can make it more mild. Um, so what I usually do, let's say for two cups of water, 16 ounces, I would use um, for medium strength, <laughs> we talk about the balance. Yeah, sure. For medium strength, I would use, um, let's say, one and a half tablespoons of freshly grated ginger. And for, try to find organic ginger if possible, because the non-organic, a lot of it comes from China and they put all kinds of chemicals because ginger gets moldy very quickly. So it goes bad quickly and some, the non-organic especially, they can use chemicals to preserve it longer. So if you can find organic and when I make tea, I don't even peel the ginger. I just wash it really well and I, I grate it with the peel because we're going to strain it afterwards. So one and a half tablespoons for uh, two cups. So bring two cups of water to a boil and add the ginger the freshly grated ginger and just simmer it. You can simmer it uncovered for five minutes for medium strength. If you want to make it really strong, simmer it for 10 minutes and it will reduce a little bit. And then you just strain it and wait for it to cool down to 
sipping temperature and then you can sprinkle you can add some fresh lime juice to it and and then and then you can stir in like a teaspoon of honey so we always add the lime juice and especially the honey when the tea cools down to sipping temperature because putting honey in boiling hot liquid will make it more toxic and that's a whole other a whole discussion other... to have about honey yeah. and how to use, use honey properly but just for now remember not to put honey in very boiling hot water food whatever so when you turn when you cool it down to sipping temperatures so you don't burn your tongue then you can add the honey and some lime juice it becomes delicious um i like to sweeten it a little bit because like for me i have a very vata body very airy and i notice that every time i drink ginger tea without a sweetener i start hiccuping right away <laughs> it somehow produces some kind of imbalance but if i have it slightly sweetened then no reaction so it creates a it, it the sweetener in this case the honey balances the pungency and the sourness of yeah and it's interesting because i have very much of a, a kapha and pitta disposition and so for me i actually enjoy having ginger tea without any sweetener yeah and it, and you're fine right you're yeah, fine and i'm it. fine i have it just the ginger and the lime or even sometimes just plain ginger if i don't have any lime around but i usually don't put honey it's only when i'm at your restaurant or if somebody else has made it for me that i'll have it that way so again you know the, the ginger is the most important thing that's in that yeah. tea from an immunity perspective yeah, and you can make variations. You can add a few mint leaves if you like. The mint, the coolness of the mint will balance the pungency of the ginger. Um, you can add some cardamom pots, uh, like two cardamom pots. The cardamom is also a little cooling and it will create a slightly different flavor. Very pleasant again. And cardamom also is very good for, for uh, driving phlegm out of the lungs and reducing cough. So there are variations. You can put fennel seeds in it. In my new cookbook, Joy of Balance, I have a tea recipe that I called Immune Boost Tea. And on top of the ginger, I add uh, two pinches of ajwine seeds, a teaspoon of, um, that's for four cups, not two cups. So three tablespoons of ginger, one teaspoon of fennel seeds, four cardamom pods and quarter teaspoon of ajwine. So that's the recipe for the immune boost tea. It's so delicious. Um, but it, so it works, the other spot, the fennel is very good with not just digestion, but also cough, phlegm. It supports the lungs also, not just the stomach. So they kind of work synergistically. And, and it really, I was making this tea for my friend who is visiting us right now. And it really helped her. I mean, she perked up like within an hour after drinking it. Yeah. I love talking to you, Vivia, because you always remind me the power of spices and how medicinal that they are, that, you know, spices are medicine. Because when you, when you describe, you know, and I'm taking your culinary training, when you describe how these different spices work together and the joy that you have and sort of the wonder and awe you have, it just reminds me of how incredibly powerful they are. And it's such a simple thing. I mean, you just have these spices in your kitchen and you start adding them to make this synergistic medicine for yourself that can really help you. It may not cure anything, but it's definitely going to help 
boost your immunity, boost your digestion and help you um, get better and feel better. Right. Yeah. And it's all connected. And it's delicious. <laughs> it is. It is. It's amazing. It tastes so good. And, you know, sometimes for somebody who has more of a Western palate, it takes a little getting used to, you know, me being South Asian growing up with this, I find all of these combinations delicious. There are few, very few things that I don't like, you know, bitter melon, karela, that, that's a taste you have to develop. <laughs> but, you know, most things I really enjoy. Again, I, I have that history of growing up with these flavors. So sometimes it can be an adjustment, but yeah, they're, they're delicious and they really just help so much. Are there any other spices that you would say, you know, you've talked about ajwine, turmeric, ginger. Well, actually, I wanted to mention a, a classic, very famous Ayurvedic formula, herbal remedy, that's really an amazing immune booster. And that's called, it's Trifala. So trifala, actually, there are all these studies nowadays that show how trifala is, is an immunomodulator, right? It doesn't, it helps your immune system not going, not be overly stimulated or overly suppressed. So it really regulates the immune response for for a balanced immune system. So uh, trifala is a remedy made from three different fruits, medicinal fruits. Um, bibitaki, haritaki, and amalaki, or amla, the famous amla. <laughs> so I love the trifala because it has so many functions in the body. So some people think that it's it supports healthy bowel function, which it does, because it's able to thin the bile first of all. So it's a cologogue, right? These are the, these are the foods that help to thin the bile and make it move properly and the bio is one of the dumpsters in the body so if it's not if it's too thick if it's not moving properly it can lower digestion and then lower immune system it definitely supports um, healthy bowel function but but it's not addictive it's not habit forming it scrapes that sludge that we were talking about the in the intestinal lining you know it can actually beautifully scrape that off and it regulates your bowel movement. So trifola comes in powder and it has a really nasty taste. <laughs> so people put it in capsules and make tablets so you don't have to taste it in your mouth so, so much, which some Ayurvedic doctors are against. They say you should be able to taste your medicine, so just mix it with water. But some people really, they, they just, it, 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 they have a negative emotion, so it means it will not work for them. And I have to, I, I mean, I don't know if I can recommend the best trifle that I've experienced so far is by this brand called 108 Health. So it's, it's it, I know the people who make it, they're my friends, Yogi Cameron and his wife, Jaima. And it's a, it's a liposomal trifle. It's the first liposomal trifle. And you just spray like eight to 10 pumps under your tongue. Uh, for 20 seconds and it works like magic i i <laughs> i travel because it helps it does every, everything that trifula does but it doesn't go through your digestive system and it acts six times more powerfully uh and more effectively i should say so check it out 108 health because i've been looking for really good trifula that will not cause any other sometimes you may feel 
is for some people it doesn't work as well. But the liposomal trifilo works amazing. And you can get it on Amazon also. But but trifilo is just it it works on so many different levels. And trifilo is also known to be one of those special herbal formulas that are good for almost everybody almost all the time. So, you know, with most herbs, we shouldn't use them all the time. We should take breaks and use them whenever we need them. But trifla is something that we can use regularly. Yeah. Trifla is a pretty powerful Ayurvedic remedy. And, you know, again, this is something that you should be careful about taking anything without having proper guidance. So I would say to the listeners, you know, we're talking about these different formulations and different combinations. Something like trifla can be powerful, right? And again, it's good for everyone, all seasons. Again, work with an Ayurvedic practitioner to make sure that you are taking it appropriately in the appropriate dose at the appropriate time for you of day. Those are all things that matter. Because again, as we said, these different spices and foods and um, formulations are very powerful and you want to make sure that you're taking them appropriately. So that would be the only thing I would, you know, caution the listeners to think about. No, no, thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. And I take trifla every day and I find that it is a very, very helpful remedy um, for all of the reasons that you have stated. And so I really believe that it, it helps me a lot too. So from a personal mm -hmm. perspective, so you've got two people who are Ayurvedic practitioners who take it themselves. So take that for whatever you want, <laughs> however you want to <laughs> take that. Okay. Let's talk about some foods, maybe some recipes that you find are really helpful to have during the winter months, maybe to help with boosting immunity. Is there anything specific? that you might suggest? Yeah, so in, in, the, in the winter we need, because there's more extra dryness in the body, um, and it's not just from the environment, right? The winds and, and all that, but also the radiators in the, in, indoors, right? It just dries, it really dries our body more. So adding extra fat to our diet is very important, especially ghee like especially the cultured ghee which is the best you can find that at divius.com we produce our own amazing cultured ghee we churn the butter i mean it's a whole process but but also high quality olive oil uh these will be two i would say these will be the two best oils for the winter some people like to use coconut oil but because coconut oil is very cooling uh i don't recommend it in the cold season you could cook with it more in the summer, in the hot season, but not not in the cold season. So, if you if you cook regularly with ghee and coconut oil, it kind of oilates you on the inside, and and it supports the proper function of the different membranes, mucous membranes in the body. It's it's great, and also ghee. You know, cultured ghee is one of the best prebiotic foods on the planet. So. It feeds the friendly bacteria on top of doing many other things. Okay. So adding, making sure that you're adding good fats in this way to your diet is really important as well. Yes. And we also okay. need uh, more protein. But when I say a little more protein, we just need heavier foods. So make sure that you're eating like stews and soups and um, even baked goods, but don't have these light salads. <laughs> <laughs> the cold and really dry because they will only 
create more imbalance. But when I say protein, protein is heavier to digest in, in general. Um, but then I mean easy to digest protein. So not just how many grams of protein you're taking from your protein shake, <laughs> but actually, are you able to digest that protein? So uh, from cooked lentils, from soaked nuts, from whole grains, from I use good dairy in my diet, so I get protein from fresh paneer cheese or milk or yogurt. This will satiate us and it will regulate also our agni during the winter. Yeah. And this comes back to that idea of the golden principle. I, you know, like increases, like opposites reduce. And so in the winter, when it's colder outside, we have a lot more, it's the vata season, right? More air and space. The qualities are light, mobile, cool. We want mm -hmm. to do some of the opposites. So the foods that we're eating should have a little bit more warmth a little bit more heaviness, a little bit more stability to counterbalance the season that we're in. And again, you know, that imbalance, if we create too much imbalance through the foods that we're eating, to, that would increase vata, right? These, you mm -hmm. know, cold, raw salads would increase that because like increases like, that then causes us to have less harmony in our bodies, affects our digestion, affects our immunity. So again, it's all connected. Yeah, which is, I think, what you know you were getting at, and also, you know, for the listeners, I will make sure that both of Vivia's cookbooks and her products, everything will be linked in the show notes. So anything that she's been mentioning, whether it's looking up recipes, you can go to her website, you can go to her books, because I know that we've been, you know, talking through the recipes, and you may not have scribbled them down, but you can get them um, through some of the resources that we'll have in the show notes for you. Yeah, and we also released uh, my master classes, which are eight and a half hours of broken down systematic uh, teaching that I do on, on the basics of Ayurvedic cooking. And I show how to make a lot of these recipes, how to use the spices. We spoke more, we speak more about the connection between diet and immunity and how to cook seasonally. So, so. The classes and the books will also really help you integrate these concepts and teachings in, into your own life at your own pace. Yes, at your own pace. That's the, that's the most important thing because it can be, become a little overwhelming. You know, we're talking about how everything connects and you all might be thinking, oh my gosh, I can't keep this all straight. But um, it does really connect and it's about that repetition in different ways. Okay, so Divya, let's move on to some ideas for food combining, because I know that you have so much knowledge here and food combining can be a little bit of a tricky thing to understand, but it's really important in Ayurveda from a perspective of eating and the diet. So do you have any food combining tips for really strengthening or supporting immunity? Let's start there. Sure. So a lot of people get congested, not because they're sick, but because they eat incompatible foods. It's just like a body reaction. It creates more phlegm because the incompatible foods are very hard to fully digest. And then one of the reactions is uh, congestion. So like sinus infection is very common, a very common result of improper food combining. So one of the, one of the very common ones in the West is eating dairy with fruit, like fresh, raw fruit like so 
So, for example, like yogurt and fruit. Yeah, yogurt right? and fruit. I mean, that's a, a standard <laughs> American breakfast or European also. Right. And I have to tell you, when I was younger, I would have just yogurt fruit salad, especially in the summer, every morning. That was the thing. But um, but they're just yogurt is so heavy to digest and fruit digests differently than yogurt. So when you eat them together, the the body kind of becomes confused. Oh, which one should I have first? Then it doesn't fully break down both. So congestion is very common. So I would really suggest like look at in my books I have food compatibility tables that makes it like at a glance you can see what what to eat, what not to eat in terms of combinations. Um, there's so much information online also. So really if you want to improve your digestion which will lead to better immunity, is just learn a little bit more about proper food combinations. So yeah, also Greek yogurt, very difficult to digest. And when you mix that with fruit, it becomes even more difficult. Um, milk, that is not just milk, not just yogurt, also milk. So milk and strawberries, so heavy cream and strawberries or any kind of pie that has sour fruit in it with heavy cream on top or ice cream with dairy ice cream with fruit in it. So, so all these um, create a lot of confusion in the body and, and that confusion leads to lower immunity. Right. And so I think maybe what you're trying to say is that the basic um, idea behind food combining is how does your body receive it and digest it? right? And that you want to pair things together that are going to be received by the body sort of almost like together yeah. more and that they can handle both of those things together well. Yes, That's really what food combining is about, right? Yes. And the idea there that we talked about before is that when you put food into the body, you take in food, each of the tissues in line will be nourished by that food and the end product of that is the vitality, the ogis, which amounts to immunity in Ayurveda. And so if you are putting food in, which is not compatible to each other, then you don't have that digestion process to create vitality, immunity, et cetera. So again, it's kind of all... It, it's all connected. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. And so that's really, I think it's so important. You know, I really try on this podcast to explain sort of the the logical reasoning, because I think it makes it much more easy than to implement because, you know, again, we can sit here, you and I, and talk about the fact that you should not combine dairy with fruit, like yogurt and fruit. And if it's, uh, if it's something that someone really likes, that's going to be a hard thing to give up. But if you understand the reasoning why, then it might be a little bit easier to move in that direction of, of starting to change that combination or that habit. Yes, exactly. It's important to know why we recommend what we recommend. But also I always, you know, I always encourage people like, just try it. Okay. Try avoiding dairy and yogurt for a couple of weeks and see if you feel better, see if you feel different. And if you do, then, then here's the sign. It's like, yeah, it's working. <laughs> So very often when, when I teach the food compatibility class, I used to teach them in person before COVID. <laughs> and, and when I explain this, and many people would have like aha moments, they would be like, oh, wow, that's why I'm having this 
chronic congestion. That's why I'm having this allergic reaction or whatever it may be. And, and they will come back like a couple of weeks later to the next class and they will say, I, I feel so much better because I started avoiding those um, food combinations that are very difficult for the body to handle, very difficult to digest. And I'm like, yay, mm -hmm. it's working. <laughs> right, right. That's great. No, that's, I think these are all great um, ideas, but that's, that's one that, you know, we both commonly see is this, this dairy and fruit thing. And many people will start their day off with that. And so then that leads to them not feeling well the entire day. <laughs> so it's sort of like this difficult way to start the day in the sense of it just sets you up to not feel well yes, because you're not digesting well. Yeah. There are other options. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Are there, is there another food combining tip that you often find um, that people are maybe doing a wrong combination or incompatible foods that's really common that maybe we could give a tip to the listeners? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm a vegetarian, so I don't eat meat, but, but meat or fish, especially fish with yogurt, like I, there's a common dish, fish with yogurt sauce. That's a really bad combination. So this can create soft blood clots that's dangerous mm -hmm. <laughs> you know on top of congestion congestion is just the lighter type of reaction but uh, foods that are really difficult to digest together they can congest uh, calcification in the body they can create blood clots and many other things so definitely that's the kosher principle right don't mix meat and dairy and then you'll be you'll you'll be on the safer side one thing that people do very often is milk or heavy cream with salt. So these, and I don't mean cheese, I don't mean yogurt, just milk or heavy cream with salt, like, like in a bechamel sauce, or if you're making creamy vegetable soup and you're adding some heavy cream to it, and then you season it with salt. So the salt and the salt and the milk or heavy cream it really lower immunity and it also lower usually it comes up the reaction that comes up from this combination is usually on your skin so any kind of breakouts um i've seen so many different types of breakouts due to this combination or you have or you're drinking chai which is predominantly the liquid in the chai is predominantly dairy milk and then you're eating something salty on the side so that will create also incompatible. And I've seen really serious skin conditions from just people drinking chai and <laughs> chai with milk and eating something salty at the same time. Yeah, I will raise my hand and say, I am totally guilty of doing that. Mm -hmm. It's one of my favorite things to do. I don't do it very often, but I will have to take notice, more notice of how I feel when I do that. Yeah, so. and you know, that's one reason why Divi's Kitchen at our restaurant we serve our chai with plant-based milk. So it's either almond milk or oat milk you can choose. But the mm -hmm. main reason I don't use dairy milk is because I know that people will be ordering other things and I don't want them to mix it with the dairy. Ah, so that might be why I haven't had that reaction because I don't drink dairy milk. I only make, I make chai with, um, Plant-based yeah. milk. No, no, plant-based, totally fine. So, so that's that's the other thing is you just replace the dairy milk with plant-based milk and then it's compatible mm -hmm. with most foods. Okay. 
I know another question that's probably going through most people my, people's minds. And so let's just answer this. So then is it okay to have dairy at all if you want to strengthen your immunity or fruits if you're having them separately? Yes, yes, definitely. So the quality of the dairy is very important. That could be another whole podcast. There's so many of course. There's so many contradictory opinions about about dairy. So as long as you have good quality A2 milk from happy grass-fed cows that are grazing in the fields, you know, like the good that's it could be pasteurized but maybe not homogenized. Um, like if you choose your dairy very carefully and you eat it in the right way. So in, in my first book, What to Eat for How You Feel, I explain, explain the proper consumption of dairy because you could have the right dairy, but if you keep drinking very cold milk out of the fridge, it's very heavy. You'll get the congested. It's not compatible to that way. Um, or even eating very, very cold yogurt. So I always say, like, take the yogurt out, let it sit for half an hour, then eat it. Um, so, yeah, so there, it's, a, but as long as you have the good dairy, that's fine. Okay. And can you have um, an alternate uh, yogurt with fruits? Yes. Yes. That's fine. <laughs> because, see, alternate yogurts are usually made from nuts. And Correct. nuts and fruits are listed in the same category in, in Ayurveda. So nuts are considered the fruits of a tree. Um, they're also fruits of, of a tree. So they're considered in the same category as fruits. Mm -hmm. Yeah, amazing. Okay, so that there you go. Um, okay, so let's move on to the last part of the optimal health pyramid, which is the tools of yoga. And what are some things that we can do to strengthen our immunity using some of these tools, things like movement, meditation, breath? Are there any things that you have found really helpful for boosting immunity? I mean, definitely, yes. Meditation. Meditation usually helps the mind the most. And that's very important. We spoke about that. And then breath is extremely important. So there are certain breaths that help, especially like the the brahmari, you know, the when you close your nose and you and your ears and you hum. So you have to do it properly. But that's a that's actually that's recommended for boosting immunity. There's scientific studies behind it. I'm sure you can pull those studies, <laughs> Avanti. You're, yeah. you're a scientist. And um, breath is so important because it's not only, it doesn't only charge us with oxygen, it also is very cleansing. Um, and it's very calming, it's very grounding. It helps you to center yourself. And my favorite thing is just being out in nature, walking barefoot on clean ground and spending time with the trees time with the trees and or being out on the beach being out in the sun i mean the sun is one of the most powerful immune boosting energies um and many people our especially in the winter immunity can go down because we're mostly indoors we're not so much out in the sun if it's cold outside but spending every morning before by 10 o'clock just being out in the sun can be extremely boosting for the immunity. Absolutely. The practice of, you know, viewing the sun, it's morning, it's called morning sun viewing. 
um, or morning light viewing as soon as you wake up is really sort of the way to think about it. Mm -hmm. So as close to waking up, getting outside and viewing the sun for anywhere from 10 to 30 minutes depends on how um, overcast it is. But that really is a very, very powerful um, immune booster, mostly because it affects your hormones, which then are connected to your immunity. So that's a really powerful practice. You know, even my Vedic astrologer, like he would say, because the sun in Vedic astrology and even in Western astrology, the sun is directly related to our immunity. He, he would tell me, just go out in the sun. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And another thing that I do, I don't know, I guess it's a, it's not food, but it's not really a lifestyle, there is, but it's an Ayurvedic practice is to drink gold water. So that would be my last recommendation. And what I do is ideally would have like a pure 24 karat gold cup, but that's really expensive. And this was available to the, to the kings in the past, but maybe not today. Um, but what I do is I have this little one gram gold biscuit. I, I have like a pure gold, 24 karat gold biscuit. And then I boil my water with it, the drinking water. I boil it for a minute with that gold in it. And then I pour it in my, uh, in like a thermos or like a water pitcher. That's my water for the day. And the gold stays inside. And the nanoparticles of the gold, uh, really help to strengthen immunity. This is this has been used long time in Ayurveda. It's also there in Vedic astrology. And I remember even in dentistry, the best filling that will actually strengthen your immunity would be gold fillings. But very few people do them nowadays. They just use plastic or mercury, which is not so good. But yes, that uh, drinking gold water can be very helpful to boost immunity. I do it every day, especially mm-hmm. in the winter. Yeah, amazing. That's a that's a good tip, um, and it has been done for a very long time in Ayurveda. So you know, it's again a practice that is part of human experience through Ayurveda, and what the the ancients have taught us and passed down yeah. as something to strengthen immunity. And so, really, you know, the couple of things we talked about with tools of yoga, meditation is always going to really help calm your mind strengthen your immunity. It strengthens your health in every way. And then this morning sun viewing, morning light viewing, which is a really important concept. Um, and then some breath, you know, breath work. And again, you can do the brummery, the, the bee humming breath. That is great for immunity, but also just learning to use your breath, right? Focusing on the inhale versus the exhale, right? I've talked about this on this podcast many times. The inhale is exciting, invigorating. The exhale is calming and relaxing. And so to calm your mind, to really boost your immunity, to take you out of that stress response so that your immunity can work better, you want to focus on your exhale and start to relax and lengthen your exhale a little bit longer than your inhale. Right there, that's breath work. You don't have to do anything fancy. You don't have to look anything up on the internet. It's just breathing in that way, making your exhale a little bit longer than your inhale doing that for a few rounds, and you will feel a shift in how you feel because physiologically, our respiration and our nervous system are connected. And so right there, it's a very, very powerful tool. So I think that we have shared so much on this episode. I know this is a very long episode with so many ideas of how to really boost your 
immunity from an Ayurvedic perspective and really this conversation about what immunity is from an Ayurvedic perspective. I hope that, you know, all of you listening have gotten a lot of value out of this. Divya, thank you so much for all of the wisdom that you've shared on this episode. Um, I'm going to go back and listen and take notes as well, because I've learned a few things from you that I didn't know, didn't remember, and maybe did as a kid, but didn't really register why. Um, and thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom, Divi. I really appreciate it. Oh, Avanti, thank you for having me. And thank you for sharing your wisdom. I feel like I'm going to do some breath work right after this. <laughs> I'll probably be doing that with you as well. And, you know, I wanted to let the listeners know that Divya has so kindly agreed to, you know, be a regular guest on the podcast so that we can do these Ayurvedic deep dives together on different topics. And so I think that we'll try and be back again in March for another deep dive, a let's go deeper sort of series on another Ayurvedic topic. So I'll look forward to talking to you again, Divya. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks again for listening to The Healing Catalyst. If you love what you heard, please hit follow and pass it along to a friend. And if you're feeling really inspired, please rate and review so that others can find this podcast more easily. To learn more, head to avantikumarsingh.com. And to connect with me directly, find me on Instagram at avantikumarsingh. I'll be back next week and hope that you will be too. Until then, remember, with the right catalyst, you have the power to activate your own healing because healing starts within.